0: Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week.
1: We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Well, praise the Lord. I pray everybody had a wonderful Thanksgiving opportunity. Um, I do know that Thanksgiving and Christmas, it can be a hard season. It can be some that struggle with uh, some of the relationships or the memories But I pray that the Lord this morning will give you a real breakthrough for for healing in your hearts. That's why I felt like that unending love was something God has for us here. Um, Let me start by, let me pray this morning. Thank you, Father, for your presence. Thank you for your love. Holy Spirit, I ask that you you would release the word of truth today. And we know that your word is full of living power, and it's able to cut between the soul realm and the spirit realm. And it equips us. Your word is true. It's powerful. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that the word of God allows the people of God to be fully equipped. It's good for doctrine and reproof and for correction that we would be fully prepared. So, Lord, prepare your people now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm going to use this this morning. Um, did too much work and wrenched out my left knee. So, I've had prayer this morning, so I'm waiting for to it to manifest. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, Um, let me ask this, uh, kind of get us on the same page here this morning. Let's say that um, there was a, a group of people, and we had both Christians, non believers, atheists, all in this particular group, and all of a sudden, in the midst of the meeting hall, Jesus shows up. Tell me some of the responses you think from the crowd that's there you'd get. What would be some response? Some would be shocked, like, he's real, right? Some would be very frightened. If you were one of these characters I've seen on TV, the Atheist, atheist Society, uh, there is no God and therefore we're not afraid, right? We don't, we don't worry about fire and brim. At that moment, there'd be this, oh, he is real, right? Any other responses? Praise, Praise right? There would be those like, hallelujah, he's here, right? It's like, yay, God, Right? Kind of some examples of that might be, I am I was thinking of this this morning. Um, think of Mary Magdalene at the tomb. She was the woman who'd been delivered of seven demons. And she followed Jesus. In fact, she's one of the first, appeared, those that Jesus appeared to at the tomb. She goes there and he says to her, Mary. And she's so excited, she runs to him, wants to hug him. Mary, don't embrace me yet. I haven't ascended to my father, right? So there's this amazing I knew it! He's alive! He's here, right? There's that that praise and glory. How about Paul, or Saul of Tarsus? He's killed Stephen. He's martyred Stephen. He's on his, in the road to Damascus. He's arrested the people of the way, and he's coming back, and all of a sudden, he's knocked to the ground, he's blinded, and Jesus says, why are you persecuting me, O Saul of Tarsus? And for three days, he sits there in complete darkness. Think about that. Why did God keep this Paul blinded for three days? Purpose. Probably, imagine sitting there for three days, it's like, oh man, he really is alive. He is who he says he is. I've killed one of his saints. I've arrested others. And it's like, and then he tells Ananias, go and lay hands on him. I have work for him to do. And he comes, I'm not going there. That's the guy who murders people. You go. He follows the Lord. He lays hands on him. Scales fall off his eyes. He's baptized in the Holy Ghost. And he starts his mission. And so when you think of that response, right? Well, how about Thomas who doubted? The other disciples had seen him after the resurrection. And Thomas says, well, I will not believe until I see the scars in his hands. And when he walks through the wall and he says, Thomas. He falls down, he says, my Lord and my God. So that response, when we think about this, um, the response, that fear, the wonder, the, the joy, what is the basis of that response? What underlines that response? Isn't it the relationship that they currently have with Christ? It is based upon the relationship that is there. So there is this place where response is dictated by your relationship in Christ. Now, let me ask this. There's actually, if you look at your outline, there's several scriptures I've been ruminating for about a week on. I titled the message this morning, Times of Refreshing May Come from the Presence of the Lord. The the NASB there, Acts 319, says may come. But I think if you look at some of your current other translations, at least the King James, and the new living translation, it says, "Will come." So there's this it may, <laughs> and I think it has to do with your response. But so let's turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter three for a moment, and let's look at verse 19. This is what I shared last week about the man at Gate Beautiful that was healed. And we looked at the cornerstone. Remember, we had the the plumb line that was set up, and Jesus was the cornerstone. And we looked at the transition from how Peter and John had gone from these people who had run away from even acknowledging that Christ was Savior, to now baptized in the Holy Spirit, and now filled with the Holy Ghost, and the healing occurs, and Peter then stands up and preaches. And he tells the Pharisees and Sadducees, you think we're going to listen to you? (laughs) But he then, in his sermonette here, look at Acts 3. Let's begin in verse 17. Acts 3, 17. It says, friends, I realize that what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance. Basically, you crucified him because you didn't know. But God was fulfilling by the prophets the foretold about the Messiah that he must suffer these things. Verse 19, Now repent, now repent, it's a now word, from your sins turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away, then your times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. I don't know about you, but if you've ever been in a lost place or you've made a lot of messes up, ever been in a backslidden state? And all of a sudden, you come back to the revelation of the king, and you get past the guilt and the shame because he says there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And all of a sudden, in that repentance and in that turning back to God, what happens? There is this presence of refreshing. It's like there is nothing that can undo that like the presence of God. All the world, you may search and seek for things to find a way to find your peace, to find a sense of refreshing. But there's nothing like the refreshing presence of God in that place where you know that your sins have been forgiven, that you've been set free. Well, turn with me, if you will. I love this scripture. Oh my gosh, I've been meditating to go to Psalm sixteen, eight. Uh, Psalm sixteen. And we'll look at eight and eleven. In Psalm chapter 16, this is Psalm of David. It's probably one of my favorite psalms this week. (laughs) I love it. And uh, I'm sure it's going to be on our mission field when we get out there in some places we come up against darkness and stuff. It starts out, David writes in Psalm 16 in verse 1, Preserve me. King James says, Preserve me, O God, as I put myself in your trust. New Living says, Keep me safe, O God, for I've come to you for refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my master, and every good thing comes from you. Drop down to verse 7. I will bless the Lord who gives me counsel. King James says, my reins all instruct me in the night seasons. I looked up rains. <laughs> it's my heart. It is the central part of you. It says, in, King, in New Living, it says, I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart... Instructs me. Whoa, what's in your heart, right? Out of it comes the essence of life. He says, verse 8 I know the Lord is always with me, but I love what the King James says. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Now, if you were here early enough for the start of the service, you heard Alicia. This is, again, the orchestration of the Lord. She said she'd been in the car and all of a sudden there wasn't the presence of the Holy Spirit in the car, road radio, everything's going on, right? And she says, wait a minute, stop. We're gonna pray. We're not going back on the road until we pray and set the atmosphere. Well, this is my sermon this morning. This is this place where I have set before me. I have set before me. The presence of God, the remembrance of God, the atmosphere of God, the attitude of my heart before God. This is a powerful truth. If you'll get this, I'm telling you, last night, let me be transparent, I was having a a rough afternoon and um, Jenny had fallen asleep, Katie was resting, it was like six o'clock in the evening. And I know when I get ready to preach, where early in the week, I sit there, and, Lord, what do you people need to hear? you got to show me what you want me to share. I, I don't want to just prepare some sermon. It's got to be, and so he's been working, and, he put, and I got to live this last night. <laughs> so I was having this moment. There was some tormenting stuff going on, remembrances of uh, a relationship, my, my son. And, and I was just having this moment. I looked at the phone. I had this picture, and I was in a, I was in a broken state. I was in this place of sadness. And I said, you know what? I'm going up to my easy chair, my hideout place upstairs where I prepare my sermons. And, and I got in my easy chair and I turned on Dove Radio. And in the darkness, I just began to worship God. And I set him before me. And for the next two hours, oh, my God. There was this unending pleasures, unending love of God, the remembrance. I, they could have done a lot of things. I, well, maybe I'll just turn on the news, and you know, we love to listen to Judge Dean at 9 o'clock on Saturday, and man, I just had enough about impeachment and all I'm like, no, no. I am going to take these couple hours and just be with Him and just worship Him. And, and then, man, the Scripture started. It's just like, woohoo, and then I got to Psalm 16 at the bottom, and here's what it says. Verse 11, you will show me the path of life, and in thy presence is the fullness of joy, and at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. King New Living says, You will show me the path of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. That's why when Christy came up and said, I saw this pathway. And in the pathway we're leading, there was this major doorway that was in front of us. Well, one of the scriptures about the door is this place where he sets before us the doorway of righteousness. Maybe we'll turn there. Show me the path of life. In in verse 11, he says, show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. You know, the, uh, another proverb says, there's a path that seems right to a man that leads to death. Unless you get on the path of life in Christ, there's a whole lot of paths you could follow. I remember years ago, I gave David Archibald, one day we were just sitting here, and all of a sudden, I saw David, he was trying to select a pathway up the hill, and there were actually three pathways. You remember this one, David. I was thinking about this. There was the green marker, and there was the brown marker, and the yellow trail. If you've ever been on a, a trail up the mountain, there's one that goes six miles straight up. There's another one that kind of go, and you got to get on the right trail, right? And so the path of life that leads to righteousness, he tells us that there's a doorway. There's this pathway. And so let's turn to Psalm 118. Go to the right in your scriptures, or whatever your phone does. (laughs) Psalm 118, and look at verse 19 and 20. Psalm 118, verses 19 and 20. Open for me the gates where the righteous enter, and I will go in and I will thank the Lord. The gates lead to the presence of the Lord. I want you to see that the pathway of righteousness is the open doorway. What is the kingdom of God? What's the definition of the kingdom of God? Anybody give it to me, Romans 14, 17? Right? The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in Holy Ghost. It is righteousness that opens the doorway to the presence of God. But once you're in the righteousness of the presence of God, there is peace and joy In the Holy Ghost. So, man, the the world sets us up. Oh, you ought to have this thought. You ought to have that thought on this worldly thought. You ought to go do this and do that. No. No. Do not go there. (laughs) If you will stay in the righteousness, you know, last night I could have camped in my oh, woe is me and stewed in my sadness and disappointment and loneliness, you know, all of that. I could have stewed there. But I set before me the presence of God, and I made a righteous choice to worship him, even in the pain that was in my heart at this moment. I give you the praise of my heart, oh God. And all of a sudden, the kingdom of God broke in, and the peace and the joy of God came, and it's like, Holy Spirit, woo I'm telling you, I was having a moment. I was like, whoa, God, thank you, Jesus. There's a doorway of righteousness. If, the, if we would get this, and in fact, we better get it soon, the way things are going, <laughs> because when it gets unraveled, you're going to need to find. You see, happiness is contingent upon your happenings. Oh, I'll be great if this happens. I got the raise here. This happened. My husband was nice to me. My wife was this. That's happiness, and it's fleeting. But the joy of the Lord, it comes from an anchored cornerstone of Christ. He's the plumb line in your life. Remember last week? The plumb line hung right here. If you'll center in that place. If not, you're going to trip over that cornerstone, and many will be damaged by it when they reject Him. Turn with me to Galatians 5 for a minute. Familiar Scripture. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul tells us that this battle rages, that you're never free from the battle of what's going on in your heart, the world system. He tells us that we are to live by the Spirit's power. He warns us. In fact, he says, I I really like the way the New Living Translation, the thought for this one is, in uh, verse 17, it says, sinful nature always wants to do evil. And that's not just stepping into sin. This is the we allow ourselves to go down these pathways of pity, disappointment, discouragement. Where are you, God? How come you haven't done this yet? That that complaining spirit that got the Israelis in big trouble and they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years and not one of them except the two spies who had accepted that Christ could do all things got in. He says this, be careful. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. And if you give in to that stuff, it'll produce a whole bunch of bad stuff. Look at verse 19. But I love what verse 22 says. But if you're in the Spirit and you choose His fruit love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, mercy, self control look at verse 24. This one jumped out. Those who belong to Christ. Those who belong to Christ. King James says and they that are Christ's what have they done they have crucified this flesh and the affections of its lust New Living says those who belong to Christ have nailed the passion and the desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there Folks you're going to have to get a hammer and nail every day as we said take it up today Get up tomorrow morning. You're having some kind of an issue. You got something going on in your thought life. You got some temptation, some trial, some... Get the hammer out. Physically, hammer that, that stuff. I am not going there. I, man, I made this... I, I remember started remembering this scripture. like I got it right in here, right? Right in here. I started mouthing the scriptures. I am nailing this stuff to the cross. So I'm sitting upstairs in the dark. Nailing this stuff to the cross right now, and you, sadness and you, disappointment, you get right. I'm having this, I'm doing a self deliverance. Hello, right? And so, man, when it got all done, I was like, woohoo. Well, let me give you a scripture about that. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. Joshua 1 8. Come on, what did he say? He told Joshua, now, what about Joshua? Here, here's his mentor, right? Moses who was mentoring Joshua for 40 years. God tells Joshua, Moses is dead and you're going to lead the people. Now the guy who mentored him couldn't get him in. But now you're going to get him in. <laughs> and he gives him some instruction that I think would be really well for us. He not only tells him to be strong and courageous, Joshua 1.6, but look at verse 8. King James says this, the book of the law Shall not depart from your mouth. You need to open up your mouth, people. Start speaking this word of truth. Get it out of your mouth. I'll nail these passions and these all these terminal things to the cross right now in Jesus' name. Get it in your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. You start ruminating. Meditate. What does the word say about that? You mind? I love these these these. Smartphones, hey Siri, what does this say? I hope she doesn't answer me right now because she answers me a lot. Anyway, you can go right on there and it'll tell you right up. She she doesn't even know the Bible, but she knows the words. You meditate on it day and night, but then you got to do it. Speak it, meditate on it, and then do it. When you do that, I'm telling you what, you will be successful. You'll be strong and courageous. You don't have to be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Because if you'll do this, Joshua, you're going to lead these folks in. Now, he had to learn it the hard way, right? He first, the first battle, he goes to the stronghold at Jericho, the strongest of all the cities, right? Why do you go after, I would kind of pick, let's go after the little ones and like, no, go to the big one. The Lord gives him the instructions. You know the story, march around, shout, declare, blow the horn, the walls. They go down like, a, like an elevator, right? And they conquer the city. And then they send a few troops to Ai and sin in the camp. What does Achan do? He violates what was told of the Lord. And he takes the, the stuff, he has the stuff hidden in his tent. And 30 some odd Israeli, innocent Israelis, die because of one man's sin. And what happens to Joshua? He's laying on his face, complaining and crying. We can't even defeat them. And what does the Lord say? Get up! Get up, Joshua! Some of you need to just get up. Hello? Get up off the pity potty and get up and start mouthing the word, start saying what is true, start ruminating on the scriptures, and then start doing what he said. I'm telling you, if we will do this, the presence will come. The presence will come. And if we'll find the sin in the camp, do some self-evaluation, find the aching in the camp so your ache gets out, right? And deal with that. God will take care of that defilement. And then what will happen? The presence of the Lord will come. And so what do we see? We see that God has set before us. And you know what happens? Once we set him before us, what does he do? Psalm 23. He sets before us a table in the presence of our enemies. You set him before you. And then he says, I'll be your shepherd. You want to walk through the valley of the shadow? Keep walking. Come with me and let's walk out of this mess. I'll get you to good water and I'll get you to green grass and then guess what I'll do for you? I'm going to set you up a table in the presence of all your enemies. Come on, that ought to bless you. If If you're not blessed by that, your blesser needs adjustment. And so, Lord, I thank you right now in Jesus' name. We're going to do what the Joshua did. We're going to study to obey this word. We're going to mouth it. We're going to get it in our heart and then we're going to do what it says. And once we do that, Times of refreshing. Times of refreshing. All right, look at your handout. When we start doing this, times of refreshing may come. But I believe it will come. Now, what happened in this transition? Well, let's look at some things. I I, I did this last week. I want to clearly focus on the fact it's the Holy Spirit. It is the manifestation of the Holy Spirit that makes the transition. That was part of last week's sermon. If you'll look with me, go to Exodus and look at verse chapter 19. Exodus 19, we see, you guys doing okay? All right, come on, let's look at it. Exodus 19, I love this part. He says, you know, they've come through the Red Sea. It's like, wow, the people are like wowed with what God is doing. God reveals himself in Exodus 19 to the people, and he actually delivers the Ten Commandments. Exactly two months, verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 1. Exactly two months after the Israelites had left Egypt. So we're two months into the travel, right? They arrive in the wilderness of Sinai, and after breaking camp, they came to the wilderness and set up camp there at Mount Sinai, at the base of Mount Sinai. Moses climbs up the mountain to appear before God. <laughs> oh, my goodness. The Lord called him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. See, at this point, they are the family. God has brought them out. He has fulfilled the prophecy. He's calling them the family of Jacob. Give these instructions to my family, basically, to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know that I carry you on eagles' wings. I brought you to myself. Now, now, if you obey me and you keep my commandments... You will be my own special treasure from among all the people on the earth. For all the earth belongs to me and you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation. Do you see the prophetic promise that they had an opportunity to fulfill if they would just stay in him? Unfortunately, Moses returns from the mountain, calls the elders and the people together as he had commanded. All the people responded, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. So Moses brought the people and the answer back to the Lord. He goes back up the mountain, says they're going to do it, God. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will come to you in a thick cloud. you see the condition? I want you to see conditionally. There's this place where he says... If you'll do, will you make this commitment, this covenant commitment, then God says, I will come, and I'll come this way, a thick cloud. And they will hear me, and I will speak with you. Then you will always trust me. Moses told the people what he said. Then the Lord told Moses, go down and prepare the people. Now here's the preparation. Consecrate them. Tell them tomorrow. Be sure that they are ready on the third day consecrate themselves, cleanse themselves, mark off the boundaries. He's careful because no unholy thing can come in the presence of God. Amen? Amen. Do not go up the mountain or let even your animals cross over. If they do, they'll die. Now, on the morning that he comes, I don't know that they were prepared for this. Verse 15, he told them, get ready, for on the third day, until they come, abstain from even having relationships with your wife or husband, on that morning, on the third day, thunder roared, lightning flashed, a dense cloud came down from the mountain. There was a long, loud blast from the ram's horn, and the people trembled. Moses led them out of the camp to meet with... Can you get a picture of this? Oh, it's nice. It reads really nice. Lightning flame. You ever been in a lightning storm? We were on Mason Barrow Island a few last... I guess it was last spring or something. I had my mom, I had my... We got stuck in one of those storms that come in i'm teaming. The lightning is crashing over the water. I got the family stuck, I got a tra- I I rushed back, I got half the family in the boat. I ran back, and my wife and I think it was Sarah, right Sarah and my my grandson isaiah they're they're under a little tarp. The rain was going sideways. it was the lightning's crashing, I'm praying, God, don't let us die in this lightning. don't let us die in this lightning, right yeah. Have you ever been like Come on, this reads, oh yeah, there was lightning. There was a nice cloud. No, this is like, come on, get there in a moment. It's like, oh my God, God is coming. It shook violently. It said that the whole mountain shook violently. It grew louder and louder, and the thunder replied. The Lord said to Moses, verse 21, now go back down to the people And warn them. (laughs) I don't know that they need much warning, right? Make sure that they don't violate the boundary or they'll die. Even the priests who regularly came to the Lord must purify themselves so that the Lord does not break out and destroy them. See, nothing unclean. Remember the, the story of behind the Holy of Holies before Christ came and severed that, broke it open, that there was no longer a separation. They had to consecrate themselves once a year to go into the Holy of Holies, they even tied a rope around the priest, right? Because if he went in there and he had some hidden sin, he'd drop dead in the presence of the Lord, and they'd have to drag him out. <laughs> they'd listen for the bells. I guess he's still alive in there. Good Lord. Can you imagine being selected like Zacharias? Okay, it's my time to go in there. I better do this right. He gets in there, and then the... The angel shows up, hey, John, you're going to have a son. How can that be? Okay, you got to shut up because you don't have any faith. You know, he shuts him up until John's born, right? Come on, he, the Lord works with us, but it, we, he factors in our stupidity. He really does. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, back to this. He then comes, the Lord shows up, chapter 20, verse 1. God gave the people all the instructions, and he lays out the Ten Commandments. This is the moral law of God that is still relevant for today. But the people are so frightened. Look at verse 18. When the people, chapter 20, verse 18. When the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flash... I wonder who was blowing the ram's horn. Angels. Angels were, I'm telling you. It wasn't there. Like, when the people heard the thunder and the blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashing of light and the smoke billowing from the mountain... They stood a distance away, trembling in fear. They said to Moses, You got to speak to him. He'll, uh, we will listen, but don't let God speak directly to us or we're going to die. Don't be afraid, Moses answered. Now he's been up the mountain with God, right? For the God has come in this way to test you so that your fear of him will keep you from sinning. When you got the right fear of God, you will. There will be a counterbalance on all the temptation and seducing spirits. Come on. Come on. Amen. If you fear the Lord, you'll, you, know, you know the truth. And you know where this goes if you go that direction. That's, right. That's the fear of the Lord. That is the righteous fear of the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they don't want that. So turn to chapter 33. We'll let you talk to God for us because we're just like too afraid of him. Then we get to Exodus 33. And unfortunately, they forgot their covenant words. They did not have the Holy Spirit. We know that the Holy Spirit had not yet been poured out, so they didn't have the empowerment of God to do this, so there's, they were in a, in a less beneficial place. They know chapter 32, the golden calf, right? Then in chapter 33, when, Jesus, when Moses comes down with Joshua. By the way, Joshua, you can look at chapter 32. He's with, Joshua is with Moses On the mountain, chapter 32, verse 17. When Joshua heard the noise from the camp, he exclaimed to Moses, It sounds like there's a war in the camp. No, there's dancing and drunkenness and all sorts of junk going on, and the golden calf has been formed. In fact, high priest Aaron has also messed this up. God says, I'm done with these people. They were my family, Jacob. Because of their sin, I now disown them. I don't even want to be with them. In fact, I'm going to destroy them, and I'm going to start over again with you, Moses. Thank God Moses is an intercessor. There's something about powerful intercession that we need. We know that God mediates, and he's our intercessor now. But here we see in chapter 33, he says, God says to Moses, I'm not traveling with you anymore. These stubborn and rebellious people, if I did, I'd only destroy them along the way. I'm done with them. And Moses starts telling God, you need to change your mind about this. (laughs) Verse 7, Moses' practice in the tent of meeting was to set up a distant away from the camp, and anyone that had a request would go to him, and then Moses would go into the tent of meeting. And the tent would then, the pillar of the cloud would come down, and God in verse 9 would meet them there. And he would speak to Moses face to face, it says in verse 11. And Joshua, the son of Nun, would stay in the tent afterwards. He loved being in the presence. Joshua loved being in the presence. Now, I'll go and he says this. I love this part of the scripture. This is worth a lot. It says in chapter 33 and verse 12, Moses, on that day, you've been telling me that these people, that you'd take them to the promised land, but you haven't told me that you would go with me and who you would send to go with us. I know you by name, and I look favorably upon you, you've told me. If that's true, and you look favorably on me, let me know your ways. Moses said, let me know your ways, that I might understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. Verse 14, the Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses And I will give you rest and everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us and you don't make us leave this place, how will anyone know if you don't look favorably on us and these people if you don't go with us? For your presence, here it is, your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the people of the earth the holy spirit in you sets you apart from every other human being on the face of the earth every other religion every other seeking after whatever they've tried to fill it with the holy spirit in you know ye not this is first corinthians right first corinthians says this know ye not that you are the temple of the living god first corinthians 16 You are the temple of the living God, and the Holy Spirit dwells in you. Close your eyes for a minute. I want you to get a picture of this. The Holy Spirit dwells in you, and you are the living stones. This is last week's sermon. You are the living stones. 1 Peter 2. You are a living stone. You are a living stone. And the Holy Spirit dwells in you, and it sets you apart from every other human being on the face of the earth because you are owned by Christ. He owns you, and it is good. That's why Paul could say, make me a slave. I'm a slave of Christ. To become a slave of Christ is is a wonderful thing. It is not a bad context. We are fully owned by him. He's pierced us. He's taken his all and he's put it through the ear. He's marked us by our thumb. We are his. And because you belong to him, you can set him before you. I don't care if you're in a prison cell like Paul and Silas. You're like the man who's been locked up in that place of darkness, in solitary confinement. You can set before him the presence of God. And the fullness of joy will come. In fact, I've had people in solitary who've told me, I found God there like I've never found him before. When, I, when they shut out all the world, I found him. I found him. It was in that place where he actually found me. Setting before him the presence of God. This is, the, this is such... A powerful promise that he gives us. He goes on and he says, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And he chose us to experience him. Romans 5.8. In fact, let's turn to Romans 5. This is the transition. What transitioned the Israelis? What was it about Joshua, son of Nun, that made him different? He was in the tent of meeting in the presence He saw Moses talk to God face to face. And then it says, Moses, gather the leaders. I'm going to put what's on you on them. See, when Moses laid hands on on Joshua to lead the people, that which was in the presence, the fullness of what was on Moses, then indwelt him. And that son of none, Joshua, he had the presence of the Holy Spirit. But we now have the presence in us. We have been allowed to have that fullness of God in us. Paul tells us in Romans, therefore, Romans 5.1, one, Romans 5.1, therefore, what's the therefore? Because it went before, the verse before is, you have been raised to life and you've made right with God. You've been raised to life and you've been made right with God. You've been raised to life. Therefore, since we have such a blessing that has been made right with us in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. You have peace with God. That's why you can set him before you. And the peace and the righteousness and the joy that surpasses every knowledge of him. Come on. Do you get it? Do you get it? There's this place of that righteous presence of God because you've been made right in him. You have this access way. You have a doorway. You have a doorway. The world doesn't know it. It's too narrow. They don't get it. It's shuttered out by all the unbelief and unrighteousness. But because of the righteousness of Christ, there's a narrow path. There's a table that is set up. He's got a chair for you right there in his presence. Therefore, since you have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. And because of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who's done this for us, because of our faith, Christ brought us into this place of undeserved privilege, where we now stand and confidently, joyfully look forward to the sharing of God's glory. When you get in that place and you come, become overwhelmed, there's something about the glorious presence. You are translated he says he translates us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his blessed son. You get translated in that presence. I don't know, Paul says, I don't know if I was in my body. I was out, I was in the third, I don't know. All I know is I was in his presence and I saw things that could not be uttered. I could not understand them. When that happens, you are never gonna be the same. And I, pray, I promise you, if you'll find it in the most difficult battleground place of where you are, if you will offer the sacrifice at that moment, if you will go in that place and you will offer the sacrifice of praise, a doorway will open. It will open and something will start to transform in here that you cannot explain. The only way you'll explain it is if someone else has been there and they said, I know, I know. Then we can rejoice in verse 3. We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials. We know that you'll help us because you're going to develop character, endurance, strength, confident hope in our salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. And when we're utterly helpless... You're utterly helpless? Man, at times, it's pitiful. When we're utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time, died for us as sinners. Now, most people are not willing to die even for a righteous person. But someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person especially good, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. When we were still sinners, when you were the biggest mess, that you could ever be, he sent him. I'm going to go rescue my daughter. I'm going to go rescue my son. And then it says, God moved and showed his great love by sending Christ. And since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, we will certainly save us from God's condemnation. When this thing comes to a close, when this thing gets rolled up, And there's going to be gnashing of teeth and sadness by those who never knew him. There's going to be those without any condemnation and without any fear. They're going to be the ones that when he appeared, they're going to celebrate. They're going to celebrate. My Lord is here. My God, I've been waiting for you. I've been positioned for you. I've been hoping in you. Boy, what a day that's going to be. What a sad day for many. And sits. Verse 10, look at this. And since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son. See, the Jacob family that broke covenant and wandered away and chose other gods. But now he has restored the family. And since he now says, I have restored my friendship through my son. While you were still an enemy, he will certainly save you through the life of his son, Jesus Christ. Now rejoice in this wonderful new relationship with God, our Lord Jesus Christ. He has made you friends of God. Man, this is so big. My head can't even get wrapped around this thing. When they say, so how many friends do you have? I don't know, but I have one. God's my friend. Tell that to somebody out there in the world like, yeah, okay, <laughs> need to test him for drugs. (laughs) Look at your outline. Conversion that leads to repentance, that comes to a turning, that brings in the presence of God, then allows us then to walk with God and then to run with God. (laughs) Running with God. This is a familiar scripture I had you memorized a few months back. Turn with me to Hebrews 12. Hebrews chapter twelve, verse one. Wherefore, verse one. What's the wherefore? Therefore, he <laughs> says, "Well, you've got this good report, and God provided such better things that," he says, "that they wouldn't reach perfection." He's talking about the cloud of witnesses that are waiting for us to arrive. They're waiting for you to arrive. Wherefore, seeing that we're so surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let's lay aside every weight. And the sin that so easily besets us. Aren't you just just like sick and tired of the sin that so easily besets you? Aren't you just tired of it? This thought life that just like worldly thoughts, broken heart thoughts. Come on. That sin that so easily besets us. Let's drop all those weights and this sin and let us run. Now run. How do you run? You run patiently. Run, it's set before, you got a pathway, right, of righteousness. He's got a doorway. Run to the doorway, looking unto him, Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was even set before him, endured the cross, despised its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we now, we've been converted, we've now repented, we've turned back, now we start to walk, and now we start to Run. Number one, I see my sin, and I just agree with God. Number two, I agree with God, and I repent. What did David say in Psalm 139 there, 23 to 24? Search me. Test me. Point out anything in me. We're about to take communion, and that's the request. Is there anything going on in your stuff? You got some unforgiveness in your heart? You got some sin that's beset you? Something that I read earlier, it says, says, Every secret thing will be brought into public. How about that? I think I turned to my mom one day when I was little, I said, Mom, what if all my thoughts were put on a TV screen? I said, No, that, that wouldn't be really good, would it? Is there something that's beset you that one day if you don't deal with it here in the secret place with him, then it's gonna be broadcasted. it's gonna be broadcasted to everybody. Hello? That's what he said. But he said also 1 John 1, 9, if you'll confess your sins to him, he's faithful to forgive you from all unrighteousness. And then you become the righteousness of Christ, and all that gets blotted out. Good reason. Good reason to confess your sins, right? One way or another, it's coming out. I chose to turn away, number three, from the world and my rebellious nature. And I now walk and I run with him in a crucified life. My lifestyle is crucified in Christ Number five, Jesus becomes the center. This was last week's cornerstone. It's not just like adding Jesus to your stuff. I just want to add Jesus to my life. What? He's either Lord of all or He's not Lord at all. Well, I like my life. I got everything going, but I like this little part, so I I kind of bring Jesus along. That ain't going to work. Eventually, will make it, he'll make it clear to you. It is Jesus plus. And I remember preaching with Papa Supresa in Mutarara in Mozambique on the Zambezi River. The death and the destruction, the overflowed river, the, the, the refugee camp there. We came, we brought food, it ran out. It was like, oh my God, Jesus. I went to Roland Baker and I said, Roland, we've run out of food. You see, the natural side of Thomas, we got to get more goods. And he said, that we'd already driven eight hours and the food was gone the first day. Overwhelmed by the need and the starving and the dying children. And I went to Roland. And Roland said, by the way, pastor, you're preaching in the morning to the crowd. I said, Roland, I don't have anything to give. I said, give them Jesus. That's all they need. They need Jesus. And I wrestled with that sermon. I got up. I said, well, who's going to give the dialect? There's all these different dialects here. It says, the Lord will give of the dialect. I'm like, what? I got up to preach. The Lord downloaded the dialect, and the message was, it can't be Jesus plus anything. If you've got witchcraft and all your amulets and all the stuff you've mixed with Jesus, you need to come up here right now at the altar and dispose of your stuff. They came up with all their witchcraft and furs and rotten cats and, oh, my God, Pieces of rat fur tied around their babies. And they left it all at the altar. I said, it's not Jesus plus anything. It's Jesus and him alone. And God showed up and, oh my God. I was never the same after that. I told God, I said, as long as I'm alive, we'll do missions. As long as I live, we'll do missions, God. They brought the dying babies and the sick babies and they wanted my wife to pray for them. can't see that, you can't unsee it it's Jesus plus nothing it's him and him alone see God's presence it, it just changes everything it, just, it changes everything Jesus becomes our righteousness number six he is our holiness, he is our redemption he made us pure and holy and he freed us 1 Corinthians 1.30, He has made us pure and holy and freed us. Even when you don't feel pure and holy, He's the gate of righteousness. If you'll do righteousness, if you'll seek Him, He will replace all that garbage of your past with His righteousness. Last scripture. Let's look at Philippians 4. We're going to go to communion. Philippians 4. In verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, King James says, and again I say rejoice. What is rejoice? It is being joyful again and again and again and again. It is joyful again and again and again and again. And it's really hard, I I, I know. It's hard to be full of joy in all things. (laughs) But he says in verse 4, always be full of joy in the Lord. But joy, Lord, this thing that happened isn't very joyful. It's a happening, Tom. But I'm in the joy of it, and I'm with you in the midst of the trial. I'm here. I am your joy. Therefore, you can rejoice in the fact that I am here. When you're walking through the valley of the shadow, keep walking. I'm with you. I am your joy. And there's a place on the end of this thing. There's green meadows, and there's water, and there's a table that I have set up for you. But you're going to have to walk through this. Be full of joy, and again I say rejoice. Let everyone see. Let everyone see, verse 5, that you're considerate in all that you do. Remember, the Lord's coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Did he really say that? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him. Thank him. You can find something to be thankful for, for all that he has done. Then, 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 you will experience God's peace, which exceeds everything and anything that we can understand. And his peace, it's going to put a guard over your heart and over your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Not on, oh, woe is me, this didn't happen, this seducing thought, this angry thought, this bitterness, this person did this. Get over yourself and start doing this. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and they're worthy of praise. You keep putting all this into practice, all that you've learned and received from me, everything you've heard and you saw me do Then the God of peace will be with you. Woo! Glory to God. As I finished up thinking about that last night, I opened up my Charisma magazine and Joyce Myers, (laughs) you gotta love it. Going deeper with God. And guess what scripture she has in here? Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy, in the Holy Ghost. This thing about seeking God, going after him, friends, develop. Here's what she says. The friends of the Lord are more concerned about their inner life than they are about their outer life. We have to cultivate an inner life in his presence. And I can guarantee you, if you'll do this, the Lord will bless and give you peace. David, would you guys bring the communion table over? I'm going to ask Jason and the team, we're going to take communion this morning. And they picked out a communion song. But let's, would everyone here just kind of close your eyes? Ron, would you bring me the offering boxes, please? Put them on either side. God, we're so grateful. I'd ask the Lord, the Holy Spirit right now, that we would do like David did. Search our hearts right now. God, you, you know the stuff. You know the thing that has stolen our peace. You know the person that has taken advantage. What did Jesus say and mean when he said, those, pray for those who despitefully use you and abuse you? We gotta do what Jesus modeled for us and we have to be willing to let it go. God, I thank you that on the greatest night of the betrayal of your the, the most difficult night of that twenty-four hours of your, your life as a human being, you modeled for us the washing even of Judas's feet. And the communion you gave to him. And then you told him, go and do what you do quickly. He knew everything, and yet he still blessed him. God, we have to model that. So there's, there are those that have really hurt and wounded, and it's only the Christ-centered love of God, the Holy Spirit, that transforms us from the kingdom of darkness into the ch- becoming the children of the light, that we become the light on a hill, that we're not ashamed of the gospel. We live it out loud before family, friends, business co- associates, neighbors. God, I ask you to transform us so we become the people that are actually the ones who model and reflect. And then we, can, we are able to change the environment. We're not thermometers. We're the thermostats we don't measure the temperature in the room. We set the temperature in the room. We become the ones who dictate the surroundings. Just like Alicia said this morning, we had to pull the car over and we needed to pray to shift the environment so now that we dictate through the power of the Holy Ghost, not the traffic that's now impeding us and causing us all sorts of frustration, we become the thermostats of Christ. So, Lord, I pray now that you search our hearts. We can't get there unless you release us from the shame and the guilt. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. So if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, or you've, maybe you're in that place of being backslidden and you've, you know he's not the Lord of your life, I would love to pray with you. Our team would love to pray with you before you leave this house today. But at the table... It is the meal that heals us. It is the meal that heals us. I thank you, Lord, that we can come and we can place before you. We want to be the offering in the offering box today. We thank you that you give us gifts. We've already read how you're transforming nations. Nepal, Mozambique. Costa Rica, Israel, Colombia, the United States, downtown, New Hanover County, Pender, Brunswick, Colombia. God, you're making transformation, food pantries, House of Mercy, Lifeline pregnancies, 40 days for life, jailhouse, juvenile detention centers, wherever you send us. We become the light that shines in the midst of all dark places and we release a hope to a hopeless people. We become the offering box. God, I thank you that we become that place of the manger. Our hearts settle where you are and we ask you now to come and release through us, in us, around us that we change the environment that we're in. We're not dictated by the things that are going on. We have a joy that surpasses human knowledge. And on that night that he was betrayed, he he took and broke the bread and he even knew Peter would deny him three times. He still fed him and he said, Peter, take and eat this. Peter said, I'm not gonna let you wash my feet. And he goes, then Peter, you have nothing to do with me. Well then, Father, Lord, wash every part of me. The war that was going on in Peter's heart when he pulled out the sword and slashed off Malchus's ear, he, he was willing to die at that moment, but when the confusion of all the stuff happened, he denied the Lord. The Lord still found him. He said, feed my lambs, Peter. Feed my lambs. And then we know after his life serving God here, he gave himself and was crucified upside down. He became the broken body. He became the offering. And Paul, beheaded on that same day by Nero, became an offering. The blood that was shed would then become the blood of the martyrs, the faith of those who have been faithful. God, I declare that we would be a faithful people, that you have this broken body and it's going to indwell in us. We're going to eat this bread and it's going to become part of who we are. And then we're going to drink of this cup. We we come and we ask you to seal this covenant. It is a blood covenant. We're not going to be like the family of Jacob that renounced you and walked away in sin. We're going to be a family of covenant that walks with you all the days of our life, desiring to please you. So seal this covenant now in the hearts of your people here this morning as we choose to forgive all who have sinned against us.
0: His body
1: bowed and drenched in
0: tears, they laid him down in Joseph's tomb, the entrance sealed by heavy stone, Messiah still and all alone. Oh, praise the name of the sun shall pierce the night, and I will rise among the saints, my gaze transfixed on Jesus' face.